The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the dominion prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and the devil's angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Today is Christ the King Sunday, the final Sunday of our church calendar's annual cycle. Next week, the new liturgical year begins with Advent. Many of the days on our church calendar are ancient celebrations that have carried over to today. Easter, Lent, Pentecost were all observed from the earliest days of the church, but Christ the King is different. It's not that old. And is one of the most recent days to be added to the church's calendar. It was actually instituted by this guy, Pope Pius XI, in 1925. Think about the year 1925. That was right in between World War I and World War II. Obviously, Things were not great in the world at that time. And the Pope was hopeful that the church could have a voice in addressing some of the problems that existed in the world. The main one being nationalism. If the church took a day in their calendar to acknowledge that Christ is king, then perhaps nations around the world would see that the church has the right to freedom and immunity from the state. Perhaps then governments and nations would follow the church's lead and recognize a higher authority and give respect to Jesus as Lord. Of course, we all know 
adding Christ the King Sunday to the calendar didn't stop another world war from occurring. Pope Pius was attempting to stop nationalism in his day. And you could argue that this attempt was unsuccessful. But that doesn't stop us here from recognizing it still. And the church will continue to recognize Christ the King because nationalism isn't dead. It's alive and well today. Nationalism is identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. The first part of that definition is fine, no problem. It's the second part that creates a problem for the church. Because you are Christian, meaning you are following Jesus in word and deed. That means you are bound to a neighbor ethic. And that neighbor ethic says that we should always seek that which is best for our neighbor. Just like Jesus taught and did. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But you can't do both of those things. You can't support one nation's interests to the exclusion or detriment of others and genuinely be and want the best for your neighbor. You can't subscribe to nationalism and also be Christian. Either Jesus is king and what's best for our neighbor matters, Or something else is king, and what's best for us is all that matters. In today's gospel reading, Jesus creates his own episode of the reality TV show, Undercover Boss. You know the show where the corporate executive puts on a disguise and pretends to be an hourly employee and has a shocking discovery that flipping burgers isn't really all that fun. And that middle managers really don't know what they're doing. And at the end, the executive unveils their identity and rewards the good employees with a bonus and a promotion. Jesus, it turns out, comes to us in the disguise of our neighbors. That turns our neighbors into something sacred. Our neighbors become an opportunity to experience the divine presence, which reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. What's he getting at? We tend to think of sacraments in the Lutheran church as having two expressions, baptism, holy communion. Baptism is the sacrament of water. It represents new life, rebirth, entry into the body of believers known as the church. It connects us into Jesus' death and resurrection. Holy Communion is the sacrament of bread and wine. It represents forgiveness, grace, a foretaste of the feast to come with the saints of all times and places. It connects us to God and to each other as we all eat one loaf, share one cup. Although we are many we become one. Those are our sacraments. But Lewis is saying that next to those 
Your neighbor is the most sacred object you will run into day to day. And that's because every neighbor, every individual, every human you encounter is a member of the family of God. When you see someone who is hungry or thirsty, you're seeing Jesus. When you see someone who is a stranger or in need of clothes, you are seeing Jesus. When you see someone who is sick or in prison, you are seeing Jesus. And that is very different than the way the world has taught you to see people in these situations. Your world has taught you that if someone is hungry or thirsty, they're probably an addict or a bum that doesn't know how to stay sober or keep a job. Your world has taught you that if someone has different features or an accent or doesn't speak English fluently or has dirty clothes, their problems are probably that they're dangerous or in need of deportation. Your world has taught you that if someone is chronically ill or suffers from mental illness or is incarcerated, they're to blame for their own problems and they probably deserve the punishment. The world has misled you. Your family, your upbringing, your culture have taught you incorrectly. When you were baptized, you were called to leave those ways behind. You don't have to stay stuck in the belief that some people are worthy of God's love and some aren't. This parable of Jesus is very simple, yet very radical. How we treat others is how we treat God. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many services you attend, or how many prayers you pray, or how many songs you sing, or how many offerings you contribute, or how many hours you volunteer. Being righteous has nothing to do with purity or being undefiled, because Jesus is disguised as the poor, the outcast, and the marginalized. The only thing that will matter is how you thought about and treated the person next to you at the grocery store. How we treat others is how we treat God. Amen.